But welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We're happy to have you join us today. The landscape for churches is changing rapidly around the country. And in this episode, Shane and I will talk about the reality check churches need in order to prepare for a post-COVID world. Our conversation is based off Shane's blog, Seven Post-COVID Questions for Churches That Need to Be Asked Right Now. You can find the blog at RevShaneBishop.com. And we also have some free t-shirts we're giving away. We'll tell you more about that in a little while. First of all, Shane, how are you doing today? You know, I'm fine, Mike, but uh, I, I am going to kind of throw a flag on free t-shirts. Nothing's really free, right? Somebody paid for these t-shirts. Now, what you're saying is whoever receives them will not be the person who paid for them. That is correct. But if we really want to get technical, they are going to have to give an email address. So they are giving something all right, in, all in right. the long run. But, you know, it's it's, it's just it, they're free. So yeah, why would but they have to give us an email address so that we can uh, send them the T-shirt via an email? No. So, so is we this can a con- picture? Uh, is this an image, a JPEG have, image of a T-shirt? No, but speaking of that, there are a lot of those pictures on the website. You can get to uh, through the link where you can see pictures of the shirt. But, no, they are actually shirts. And let me tell you, Shane, they are beautiful shirts. And here's what I found out about them. They are 52% cotton and 48% polyester. That's like the best of both worlds. It really is. You got that certain softness and yet it holds its shape through multiple washings. Mike, I got to tell you, I had on yesterday, Yeah. I had on a navigating change with Shane and Mike zip up, long sleeve zip up because it's kind of cool in the morning. Yeah. So I had a zip up on and I came to church. It had nothing other than the logo, right? And someone said to me, is that a navigating change with Shane and Mike zip up? And I said, yes, it was. And I wore it proudly all day. And then I was on my way home and Melissa said we really didn't have supper. So I stopped at Subway. I got a meatball sandwich and Mike, one of the four meatballs that they put on a six inch sandwich fell on my navigating change with Shane and Mike, three-quarter yeah. zip-up. Yeah. And it, it went plop, plop, plop. So I had three uh, meatball yeah. smoochies right on wow. my shirt. And so that now it's in the wash. But I got to tell you, I got it last night. Yeah. It was washed, dried. Melissa laid it on the bed, perfectly shaped. Must be that cotton polyester thing it's a great mix it's the best of both worlds i kind of wish there was a picture of you doing that that would have been funny but i'm glad it doesn't sound like it's stained so that's great it did not stain and uh and you know what i do with that meatball it fell onto my lap no no might have fallen on the floor no popped it in really i had nowhere to put it i mean i needed to dispose (laughs) of it in some way so i I really didn't have i didn't have napkins didn't really have anywhere to put it so just your mouth just ate it yeah gotcha Well, uh, if you would like to sign up for this, you being our audience, you can hit the link. We'll have it on my personal Facebook, Shane's. We'll have it on uh, the Christ Church page as well. So what color are these T-shirts? So we have uh, blue, we have red, and we have what I'll call a charcoal black color. I got the charcoal black color. Now, if somebody wins it, do they get to choose a color or are they just going to get what you get and don't throw a fit? Well, I think I'm going to let the first couple people choose a color and then the last couple people you know they'll kind of be out of luck i guess yeah because the other ones are gone right so how many shirts are there that will be given away uh three three yeah shirts we have more shirts than that but i'm saving some for later oh that's right i like that (laughs) george Strait, gotta have an ace in the hole right (laughs) that's right t-shirt in the hole in your case yeah so we have to do that well jane i thought one of the things we start out with we probably need to explain why we're off on our podcast 
podcast distribution schedule. It's uh, We should have had one out a couple weeks ago, but there's a reason why we're a little bit behind right now. Bad ratings, no sponsors? No, that keeps it. We still go. <laughs> That's been from the very beginning. Slow us down at Not all. Not at all. I like it. In some ways, I think we've doubled down, actually. No, it's, it's another reason. I've been quarantined more times than any other healthy pe- person in the entire world, I would think. Yeah, people may not know this, but it's been eight months since I have seen Mike. And when I saw him last, he was clean shaven. That's true. And now he kind of has this Johnny Depp, Mm -hmm. like before Johnny Depp's career fell apart. Yeah. He kind of has this Johnny Depp kind of mustache, little goatee thing going. Yeah. You know? I mean, here you don't see somebody because they're quarantined for months. Actually, you were quarantined for almost a month with like a three-day break, and then they threw you back into the hole, right? And did I test positive for COVID? No. No, I've never tested no. positive. You're like a healthy person stuck in the Hotel California, yeah. aren't you? You keep checking yeah. out. You can never leave. So this is like your fourth day back to work in a month because you've had two <laughs> separate quarantinings, yeah. though you have not personally had COVID. That's right. My wife did get it at the end of July. We did a quarantine off of that. When we were about the end of the first 10 or 14 day quarantine, the health department uh, let us know because we didn't isolate my wife and my young children. Uh, we, I had to do another quarantine on top of the first. Then I had to have one of my daughters do a COVID test a few weeks later for a pre-op uh, situation and get some ear tube removed and she tested positive. So they quarantined me again. So, uh, yeah, like 30, 30 days quarantine within a 60 day period That's or something like that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But these are the times in which we live. And you know what? The same kind of thing that happened to you as an individual, uh, is happening to schools. It's happening to businesses and it's happening to churches. You know, and on that note, Shane, really what we're going to talk about I did today, that as a segue, Mike. Yeah, I thought you did. I, you know what? Your voice changed a little bit. Did you time. feel like did Just, you feel like I kind of leaned into that said, announcer you, voice? You, you went there. I could tell Shane is getting us focused right you now. You feel like I, I, and, it was kind of... And, kinda... and I will tell you this. Whenever you get focused here, yeah. it's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> and everywhere else, <laughs> yeah, I see right, you right. very get very yeah. focused. Here, though, no. that, that was a shock. No, I, I call it the B2B voice from banter to bidness. <laughs> B-I-D-N-I-S-S. Let's get down to business. Well, let's do that then. We're talking a little bit about a proactive leadership uh, really position and lesson today. And it's about getting ready for the churches. This is great for church leaders, for pastors. Get churches getting ready for a post-COVID world. And uh, Shane, one of the stories that I've heard you share that maybe can kind of set the table for this kind of proactive leadership, I believe you were teaching in Louisville, Illinois, where you learned a little bit about being proactive. Yeah, it's actually Louisville, Mm. Illinois, though Mm. no one would know that by looking at it because you don't really have Louisville, Kentucky, but it is Louisville, Illinois. It wasn't named after, for example, a French Louis. No. It was named after some dude in Clay County named Lewis, I, will, I suppose. I haven't really, I mean, I guess I've heard you t- told this story, but I didn't, uh, I was thinking to myself, I haven't heard of a Louisville, Illinois, but. There isn't for- one. That's why. That's why. <laughs> okay. That's why. So anyway, so I was uh, teaching, my first year teaching, I was a history teacher, taught seventh and eighth grade at North Clay uh, Community School in Louisville, Illinois. Well, it was the first teacher parent teacher conference that I'd ever had. I was a little nervous because I got to be honest with you, parent teacher conferences never went great when I was in school because it was always the same old thing. It was always saying Shane could really do well if he'd only apply himself. And then 
the teacher's voice kind of digressed to like the voice of an adult on a Charlie Brown special. So it kind of always went like this. Shane could really do so well if he only applied himself. And after that, I never really heard anything. So I think it'd be fair to say I didn't really pick up any cues yeah. as to how teachers would handle this. But one thing I knew I wasn't going to say yeah. is that, you know, your son or daughter could do better if they applied themselves. <laughs> I was not going to say that because I had heard that plenty of times. So right for a parent-teacher conference, went next door. Teacher there, probably 10, 15 years older than me, knew the ropes. I mean, knew the ropes. He's sitting in there, and he, Mike, he's got a chaw of tobacco in his jaw the size of a softball. I mean, it is unbelievable. He's got that thing in there. All the students are gone home for the day. He's got his feet on his desk, and he's working this chaw of tobacco. And it's real clear. I'm bugging him. I mean, I'm bugging him. He wants me to go away. But I'm not going away. And so he is working this thing. Finally, he realizes I'm not going to leave. And he spits. And I'm going to guess he got 18 inches of brown liquid without a break from his mouth to his wastebasket. Now, back then, wastebaskets didn't really have liners, Mike. So it's kind of like a spittoon kind of sound. Shot that thing in there. So the first thing I got to tell you is I was impressed. I mean, I was impressed. That is a fine piece of work. So I asked him, I said, hey, I've never really been on this end of a parent-teacher conference. You got anything? Tell me. He kind of kicked back, and he looked up, rolled that big old wad of tobacco just a little bit. And he looked at me, and he said, be the arrow and not the target. And with that, he wiped his mouth, and he turned his uh, chair away from me, and and the lesson was over. But thinking back, Mike, probably one of the best lessons I've ever gotten you can be proactive with life, or you can be reactive. If you're reactive, you're always waiting to see what's coming next. Right. If you're proactive, you make life happen, and you make life respond to you. So for me, when I think about the church, I always want to be in a proactive, not a reactive state. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're encouraging people to get proactive, and we're just going to do kind of a reality check right now in terms of what is it, what is basically going on in the world right now, and how will that get us ready for a post-COVID world? And so these are just things, basically, uh, you know, they come from your blog, Shane, about how you kind of see things right now, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. First of all, do you think there is a end to the COVID pandemic soon? I think COVID is going to be with us uh, ad infinitum, like the flu. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> I think there is a... Did you notice I said like the flu and then I coughed? Yeah, that was kind of that was that was there just to kind of put a little suspense. Another dimension. I, thought I mean, because the viewers it. are going, hey, maybe Shane has COVID, right? Because you didn't and you've been quarantined, yeah, right? It can't be me. So maybe, yeah. So maybe <laughs> this clearly isn't Mike. No, but I think COVID is yeah. going to be with us. I think the fear of COVID though is going to dissipate a little bit. Sure. At some point, they're going to come up with a vaccine. Yep. And at some point, people who get the vaccine, and the people who get the vaccine are probably those most concerned about getting it, right? And so I, I think those people will have some of their fears yeah. allayed. I think COVID will be with us, but its intensity yeah. is going to lessen substantially. I'm 100% with you. I do think that all the way until next summer, maybe even next fall, it, it may not be on the front burner, but I think it's going to be on the stovetop until then. And then we have to start to ask ourselves as churches, when does the first full, like, 
season of ministry happen where people are in their life rhythm. Because if it's still with us all the way into next fall, then you don't get a whole kind of what I would consider September to May uh, real rhythm until maybe 22, you know, fall of 22 to fall uh, to spring of 2023. You know, I think one thing's for sure, Mike, I think we've all been damaged by this pandemic. No doubt. I, I think there's been physiological damage to some people. Uh, other people have had economic damage, yeah. but I do believe that we've all been somewhat psychologically damaged. Yeah. We, we think differently. I remember in the aftermath of, of 9-11, yeah. uh, you thought differently. You, you, you looked at people differently. And now, you know, I, I walk into somewhere and, and if I, you know, you forget to put a mask on, people look at you in a very, very different sort of way. <laughs> So I am sure that this has damaged us, and long after the pandemic itself in its intensity is over, I think some of the fallout will still be with us. Like when a hurricane hits a shoreline, the hurricane passes soon enough, but there's damage to pick up. I think we've all been damaged. I think so, too, and I think part of you know preparing for whatever the future is, a post-COVID world, is that we have to have that type of self-awareness because I do think some people aren't even bringing that type of self-awareness yeah. in. Like, you know, I won't get into all of it, but basically saying this, but this has affected us. I was in CPE, clinical pastoral education, uh, about 10 years ago. And that's basically when you're basically kind of like a chaplain intern, you're, you're at a hospital, you're, you're, you're visiting patients, you're being pastoral, and you're in kind of a group of people where yeah, you're, you're getting learning. evaluated, you're getting evaluated, and it's supposed to help you with self awareness. And uh, I did okay with that at times, but we had to do like a biography self reflection once. And it was about like, how is your faith shaped? You has family, how is some things in culture? And I kind of bought into all that when I was writing it out. But then and this is going to show you another time when I'm just uh, kind of an idiot. Uh, they say, how have historical events shaped you? And I was like, historical events? How have they shaped me? Blah, blah, blah. So we write all these out. And then I got to share with men and women, different ages from different countries. And whenever they got to the historical event part, it clicked for me like, oh, historical events can be very significant yeah. in how people are shaped. 9-11, I was a senior in high school. Sure. Nine, and, and that changed Columbine. I was in school when Columbine happened. So yeah. I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm like, oh, I missed that. But yeah, historical events can shape us. And to your point, this is a historical event happening That's throughout correct. the entire world, affecting economies, cultures, faith communities. A absolutely. And those events have fallout. They, they have ramifications. And, and I think it's important that we are aware that we have all been changed somewhat, somewhat. by this pandemic. We absolutely have, and I think we just got to we got to get to that place, and that helps us get ready for what's to come. Well, I think the the mistake people make, is, and I was hearing a lot of it early, people say I can't wait to get back to normal, but after an historical event, you can't go back to normal because normal isn't there for yeah. you anymore. Right. You know, you can't go back to a pre nine eleven world on the airlines because that is not there for you anymore, yeah. and we can't go back to a pre twenty twenty normal because it's not going to be there for us. What we've got to figure out is how do we move forward, not how can we get back. And that's really part of the next reality check for churches that we've seen. Churches, uh, a lot of them have already strengthened their online presence. Uh, right now we're seeing that across the country that there's a lot of churches that have already strengthened their on pres uh, online presence. How have you seen that, Shane? 
Well, I, I think what, what churches ran into, and, and Mike, you got to understand, uh, the vast majority of American churches were in precipitous decline yeah. before COVID. Right. COVID is going to take some churches, but almost all of them had pre-existing conditions. And so the reality is when you think about COVID, uh, a lot of churches that were just completely disconnected uh, had to figure out how to connect a little bit or, or survive. I mean, how many older people who would have said, I'm never going to take the time to learn how to work the internet yeah. or to get on Facebook, finally realized, if I don't do this, I'm never going to hear from my kids. I'm never going to know what's going on with my grandkids. So they made adjustments. There were a lot of churches who had no online presence at all. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when you can't meet for 15, 20, 30 40 weeks, yeah. uh, you're going to have to figure something out. So I do think that this pandemic did force some churches to move in, in a direction I think they should have been moving in anyway. So even in the downside of things, a lot of times there is an upside. One of the things I think about with the pandemic is on the other side of COVID, uh, just the fact we will always wash our hands more than we used to. My guess is people, some people will still wear masks in some situations in ways that we would have never seen otherwise. People are probably not going to be as comfortable in crowds as they were before. And you know what? Even when COVID's not with us, that will still help lower instances of the flu and colds and other things that are transmitted in that way. So sometimes the adjustments we make to one thing actually have positive benefits in other things. And, and I think some of the adjustments churches have made in COVID are going to do that. And, you know, some adjustments or implications, really, of churches strengthening their online presence uh, is that there are more and better options for people to watch out there now. It's no longer about one church, you know, down the street versus this church. Now there's online ministries all across the country that uh, have gotten have gotten so much better, and even the local churches have gotten so much better. So I do think in preparing uh, for the future, churches have to continue to strengthen their online presence because it's going to be really important here in a couple years. Absolutely. And the other thing is, if, if you look at a lot of small churches, a lot of small churches don't close because they implode. They literally die. They, they don't keep their young people. But a lot of times these communities they're in don't keep their young people either. And so the churches get older and older, and, and they literally die off. So new people don't come in at a rate to replace people who are being shut in and dying. But even in the short term, online presence to your shut-ins, online yeah. presence to people who can't physically be at church, online presence to this incredible phenomenon, I'm going to call kids sports, traveling kids sports, where so many families are gone yeah. all weekend, all summer, the fact that they can still access church and church can still be part of their lives, I think that's all a positive. Absolutely. Shane, you know, when we're talking through this, one of the things we've struggled with and we've heard other churches are struggling with is we don't know eventually who's going to come back to live worship. Yeah. Uh, we're not quite sure. We have an idea. I, I don't know where we're at percentage-wise right now. Uh, you probably have, a, obviously, a better idea of that than I do, but we just don't know who's going to come back, and churches across the country don't know that either. Well, some experts like Tom Rayner are saying 20% of our pre-COVID every Sunday attendees will never be back. Now, if you think about that, some of that is going to be older people who uh, would have become shut in anyway, 
but because of COVID, by time they feel comfortable coming back, they'll be no longer able to come back. So it's got to be part of that. But I know around here, and I did some pretty uh, detailed looking, it seems to me, Mike, that, that young families, uh, young couples, young singles, people that might be married and just have a brand new baby, they all seem, most of them seem to be back. People my age seem to be back, but we're kind of anti-authoritarian people anyway. People my mom and dad's age are not back. But what's interesting to me, people your age, Mike, are yeah. not back. Yeah. They're the people who have elementary school kids. Those schools are not in session. This has probably impacted the flow of their lives Absolutely. more than any other group out there. Yeah. So we don't know who's going to come back, and we also don't know when they're going to come back. Yeah, I got to talk to a few families recently, and I know just the homeschooling, the remote learning that they're doing is throwing off the routine, just like you said. It's tough for them out there. You actually had us uh, do a time of prayer prayer for them and we did that and I think that's a good suggestion for any churches there's a lot of young families that are struggling out there right now well, one of the things that churches can do is, is just find out where your people are you know if you've been back good. 10 weeks yeah. and and there's certain people that aren't back give them a call and and just find out why what are they thinking what's going on I, I've been shocked Mike some people who I never would have guessed have just told me we're not coming back till there's a vaccine well, you know what? <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Other people are kind of on the, the tipping point. Every week we get families coming back and, and individuals coming back. But uh, I, I think that for church leaders, you need to know why people yeah. aren't coming back. I did a thing on my uh, professional Facebook at uh, Reverend Shane L. Bishop. And, and I just wrote, experts are saying 20% of pre-COVID attendees will not return to church. Do you buy or sell? That was it. Just buy or sell. And the information I got from those responses was incredible. So one of the things I'd say to church leaders in this time of uncertainty is find out what your reality is. Who's not back and why are they not back? That's a good place to start. And part of that, just calling, right? And just asking. The contact's what... always good. Yeah. Just call them, text them, however you communicate with people. Say, hey, help me out. Because I did this. I, I called a few people. I texted a few people. I probably messengered a few people that didn't have their numbers. And I just said, hey, uh, we've got a young adult demographic at our church who have kids in elementary school who are not back to church. Can you help me understand what's going on? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I call them and say, why aren't you back to church? That's one message. But when I say, would you help me get my head around something? I'm asking for their help. And I got some great responses from that. Sometimes just checking in on people, you know, they say they just need to push. And the first thing they say, I need to be, come back to church. You don't even have to bring it up sometimes. I need to get back to church. It just takes a little bit of a push. Well, I've got one phenomenal story. Talk to a, uh, I'm going to guess he's in his mid-30s. A good, good friend, somebody I played a lot of ball with. And uh, I asked him that question. You know, your age group isn't back to church. Why? Can you help me understand why? And, and his response was, I'm not back to church. My family's not back to church. And then he said to me, and I was going to tell you, it's because I don't want to wear a mask. Because at our church, we are asking that people wear masks. And so he said, it was because I didn't want to wear a mask. And he said, then the moment I thought of it, it occurred to me, I'm in construction. I go to sites and I wear a plastic helmet. He said, there is nothing that could possibly happen bad on that site that a plastic helmet would, would protect me from. He said, useless. He goes, but you know why I wear it? Because I'm asked to wear it at that site. 
He said, so I was going to tell you I'm not back to church because I would have to wear a mask. He said, so let me tell you the truth. I'm not back to church because I'm a pathetic spiritual leader for my family and I'm dropping the ball. You know, sometimes just asking people a question, making them hear their own answer can be quite uh, revealing. Yeah, you didn't call for that reason. That's interesting. Not at all. No, not at all. He just didn't the, buy. He threw a flag on yeah, himself, I Mike. Love it. He didn't buy his own answer. But it was just that little you, just, him just hearing your voice, sure. you reaching out. He's like, "What am I?" Is that a little bit of accountability? Yeah, you know, just self like accountability. Self accountability. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, you know, Shane, let's talk a little bit about finances. They seem like they are pretty strong early in the COVID world. Uh, when mm-hmm. COVID happened, you know, what's going on with those? Where do you kind of? What's the reality check for churches with that right now? Well. I think at first, when churches had to shut down, people just intuitively know what you don't support goes away. And and we did. We saw a lot of early support. A lot of medium-sized to large churches then turned around and got the PPP, which was the governmental forgivable loan to keep your employee. That bought churches some time. But what we're finding now is that giving is tailing off a little bit around the country. And the other thing is, Mike, when churches are shut down, there's not a lot of budget. You're not spending a lot of money when you're shut down. But as churches began to reopen, buying all of the PPE that you need to reopen, all of the hand sanitizer, shutting down church is easy. Reopening a church in a pandemic is hard and expensive. So churches started spending a whole lot more money. Now they're back on site, or many churches are. And the reality is, giving just isn't quite up to what expenses are. So I would say in most churches, churches are hanging on. They may even have built up a little bit of resources because of PPPs, but right now they're probably in a non-sustainable rhythm. They're probably taking in less than they're spending week to week. And the reality is churches don't have to make money, but you can't lose money indefinitely and stay open. Churches, unlike the government, can't just print money. And we'll talk a little bit more about finances in our next episode. Our final reality check for churches uh, to prepare for a post-COVID world is basically we have to understand everything about our situation right now is unsustainable. It's unsustainable right now. We can't keep going like this uh, without preparing for the future, can we, Shane? Well, I don't think so. And if you look at what I'm reading is churches that are open are drawing 30, 35 percent of their pre-COVID attendance. So think about churches, <coughs> excuse me, think about churches that are in debt. I mean, they are paying monthly non-negotiable yeah. mortgages. If people aren't going to come back to church, every church has way too much square footage that requires maintenance. A lot of churches are older. Their, their churches are veritable money pits. And so the reality is we are in an unsustainable place. We can't stay indefinitely where we are. So my advice to church leaders is don't get too comfortable here. There is nothing about this that is sustainable. Absolutely. You know, I want to tell a quick story here, Shane. Is it an amusing story, Mike? Well, I have a feeling it's amusing to me, but you'll make it amusing for you after I tell it. Well, my daughter always says, Daddy, I'm going to tell you the most hilarious story you've ever heard. And I say, Lydia, (laughs) stop. There's no way this is going to be the most hilarious story. So let me hear your story. It's not hilarious, okay? Okay. Uh, But when I was a kid, my grandpa told me about when he was a kid, all right? And he remembered that he would look down the street, and there was uh, what they called the ice man coming. And the ice man coming down the street was someone who would get ice, take it out of the truck, and bring it into 
a person's house for their ice box. So this wasn't kitchen. NBA Hall of Famer George Gervin, the ice man. No, it was this was not. a dude I, you know what? with ice. I was too young to ask a follow-up question, so I got to leave that possibility out there. All right, I, I like it. I don't think it was. And uh, so they would bring the ice in. My grandpa would talk about that, uh, bringing this big block of ice in before refrigerators were everywhere. And uh, and I sometimes I think about that uh, that ice man. I wondered because refrigerators were kind of uh, becoming popularized at the time. Did he know his industry was about to change? Right. Did he know that everything was about to tank? Yeah. And, you know what was his plan? And I think a lot of what we're talking about right now is uh, a lot of is changing the church world, and and we have to we have to get ready and we have to have that reality check. That's exactly right. And and I, I don't think the, for the ice man. Uh, I don't think we, we would say, hey, everything's going to change to try to scare him. No. But what we might want to do is say, you might want to think through this while you still have options. A lot of times we don't make decisions until we're past the point a decision will make any difference. I know of so many churches that are on the wrong side of a death cycle. They refuse to make yeah. hard decisions when it still could have made a difference. And now... Whatever they decide, they're still going to die. It's just too late. So one of the things I think we want to say to churches, Mike, is, hey, if it's not too late for you to rethink some things, instead of thinking about going back to pre-COVID, which might mean going back to decline and utter ineffectiveness, what might it look like to move forward into a better future? And could it be possible that the COVID global pandemic could save your church because it made you like the Iceman to look around and say, why do I have less customers and why are there all those delivery trucks at people's houses bringing (laughs) electric refrigerators in? I love it. And we'll give more tips next time by asking some deep questions. It's going to help church leaders, help pastors out there. We're looking forward to doing that. But we want to thank you for listening to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Be sure to click on the link to enter the win, the free Navigating Change with Mike t-shirt. You're going to love them. They're incredible. You can find the link at Christ Church Facebook page or on Shane and I's professional Facebook pages. Thank you for listening. And make sure that you keep the change. Thank you.